Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Ken Barton. It is entitled, Train Hard, Train Safe, and Train Always. This thing working? Two guys were driving in a car, and when, when they ran a red light, the passenger said, you just, you just ran that light. And he said, oh, that's okay, my brother does that all the time. Well, when they came to the next light, he cruised right on through that one. Guy says, hey, you just ran that light. He says, that's okay. My brother does that all the time. So he's really watching this guy now. You know, he's paying attention. So the next intersection they come to is a green light, and he stopped. He says, what? And he goes, my brother lives around here. <clears throat> You got to know what to look out for. He knew where his brother hung out, so he was paying attention. <clears throat> so how do we do that? How do we know? How do we know what to look out for? How to avoid dangers? And if there's dangers, what actions do we take? If there might be dangers, what actions do we take? What actions should we not take? might help to know where that guy and his brother are. One has to pay attention and learn what to do or what not to do. But seriously, I wouldn't use that guy or his brother for anybody to model after. Train hard, train safe, and train always. That's a mantra that is used, or mantra, I'm not sure how you're supposed to say that. I'm from Oklahoma. It's used regularly by the USCCA, which is the United States Concealed Carry Association, an organization that supports the Second Amendment, exercising of that right, training to be prepared, and that way if people that do carry run into a problem, they'll do so properly. Let me say when I started writing this message, my aim was to contrast the firearm and the Bible, both of which are weapons that can be used to deal with evil. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 11. <clears throat> Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against, principality, uh, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high, heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shone your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You'll notice that Paul speaks about the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the Bible, and that it is the only offensive weapon in this list of everything mentioned in this passage. I think the sword was basically the assault weapon of the day. Probably not all that concealable, but there were different versions of it that were and still are. So how did I come to this topic? Because, again, there's a huge uproar 
over guns. There is, again, certain groups that want to support, that are supporting and want to strip people of their rights. People are claiming it's way too easy to access certain types of guns. It's not, by the way. In 2016, a reporter who made that statement that it was really easy. He could go down anywhere and get an AR-15. So he tried. Here's an interesting part of that report. Neil Steinberg of the Chicago Sun-Times was denied by the store's owner because it was uncovered that Mr. Steinberg hasn't admitted a history of alcohol abuse and a charge for domestic battery against his wife. So, no gun. He claimed it was because a re he was a reporter. No, again, they didn't know it. So all of this, all of this hubbub, hoorah, came about because there were horrible crimes committed in Florida school on February 14th by a murderer. Sick individual that killed 17 people and wounded 16 people. So the hue and the cry has been, let's blame the gun. Let's blame the gun. Let's blame the high-capacity weapons, which, by the way, he didn't have any high-capacity magazines. He just had the regular ones. <clears throat> and anybody that would own that, here's who they're not blaming. They're not blaming the murderer. They're not blaming the Broward County Sheriff, who over seven years had numerous, about 40-something opportunities to intervene and possibly arrest that person before these killings happened. <clears throat> he was demonstrating that he was very disturbed and wanted to kill. His family, his neighbors, the school were telling them. He had written or posted that he wanted to be a school shooter. In Florida, if you do that, that's a felony. The sheriff said, oh, I couldn't do anything. My hands were tied. There was a free speech. In Florida, it's a felony. He could have arrested this guy, but he didn't. <clears throat> didn't blame the deputies that didn't go in after the shooter, but waited outside. That hasn't been done since the Columbine massacre. That was, that was the standard operating procedure at that time. Wait outside, set up a perimeter. They realized that wasn't so good. So the first ones that are there go in, go after the shooter. The first four after that, they can set up all the perimeter and stage they want. But they didn't any of them do that. <clears throat> and that is the standard operating procedure. And even the FBI is not blamed. They were told at least twice about this, and they did not do anything about it. They blamed the gun. Because you know guns cause mayhem. Right? But really, they're just tools. And here's what God says about tools acting on their own. Isaiah 10, 15. Shall the axe boast itself against him who chops with it? Or shall the saw exalt itself against him who saws with it? Or as if a rod could wield itself against those who lift it up. Or as if a staff could lift up as if it were not wood. You know, maybe if those people who want to blame tools had just read the Bible. But it happens with the Bible, too. 
On February 27, 2013, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled, this is a quote, ruled that biblical speech opposing homosexual behavior, including in written form, is essentially a hate crime. So in Canada, the Supreme Court has ruled that the Bible is a hate crime, but it contains. <clears throat> it seems to me they didn't read Leviticus 18, where the Hebrews were warned specifically about committing sins of sexual depravity and weren't told that the land would vomit them out as it had those that were, were, that were before them that had been shoved out. And that's why they were given it. I read the Bible. Unfortunately, not nearly as much as I should, but I do, and I'm working on it, doing it more. I study the Bible to learn how God would have me to live and what to avoid. I am a Christian. And more and more I learn how much I need to learn that I may glorify my Savior Jesus the Christ and God my Father that I may not sin and bring shame upon them. I read other resources as well that have to do with leading a Christian life and how to make a difference. Also they share what works to further the gospel and what doesn't. It's always good if you got some clues to pass them on to other people, right? And I read articles concerning firearms, about how to safely store them, how to handle them, how to pay attention to what's going on around me, things to look for, ways to behave, ways not to behave, what to do if the wrong thing should occur, which seems to happen a lot these days. Because I want to be a good steward of my rights as an Amer American citizen. And I want to be a good steward of my faith as a Christian. Wasn't always on either of those. I study both of these things and lots of other topics as well to learn more about how to serve God properly and be prepared to take care of my family, to protect my family, because I find that to be very effective or, and very important. 1 Timothy 1, 5, 8. I think there was more than that. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. As I have studied, I've learned that there are lots of things to learn. I think I said that already, and I mean lots of things. For instance, go back to guns for a while. Here are a few basics, and these are four that were, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's what I like to learn, how best to avoid having to use a gun. If you must use one, how to use it in the most effective way possible. What should be done? And if you must use one, what should not be done? And if all else fails and you have to use one, then what? What next? The Bible covers things like that too. One, how to enjoy the blessings of God. How to avoid getting into trouble in the first place, which would then require you repent back to God. It's a lot easier being right in the first place, for me anyway. Best way, I believe, is regularly studying the Bible and continually seeking God's faith. In order to serve God, you must know what it takes to please him so that you can do that. And you need to study what makes him angry so that you don't do that. For those of you who are new to serving or learning about him, 
God really wants us to serve him and to walk in his word. He really does. He loves us. Anybody here with, with children and out there, you know, you want your kids to enjoy life. You want your kids to be happy. You don't want them to be hurt. And two, how to use words, God's word most effectively. It tells us what we should do. <clears throat> tells us how to please God. It's a great mirror. We can hold up the word of God and see how we're lining up with it. Check on ourselves. Are we walking in the way of the Lord or are we wandering off on our own path? Are we looking like a good and faithful servant or are we looking like a foolish and slothful servant? Big differences in the rewards. It works as a great sounding board to check against how we are behaving and what the world is doing and how the world is behaving. Does what is going on match up with what God's word tells us should be going on. There's a lot of stuff going on nowadays that does not. <clears throat> also, it's the best tool available for teaching us how to live a successful and happy life. Just think how much trouble we can miss if we do that. God speaks to us about serving him or not and the result, what the results can be in the 26th chapter of Leviticus. I'm not going to read all of them. Uh, or any of them, well, yeah, I'm not going to read all of them, some of them, but I'm going to recommend that you guys do. One, don't make idols for yourself. Not a carved image, idol, sacred pillar, no. Engraved in stone, no. I am the Lord your God. Keep my Sabbath, reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. You walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage. Vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full, dwell in your land safely. Give you peace in the land, you'll lie down and none will make you afraid. Don't have to worry about the wild beasts. I'm Paraphrase, you'll chase your enemies and they'll fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred shall put ten thousand to flight. Enemies shall fall by the sword before you, for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. That sounds good, doesn't it? That's where I want to be. Punishment and disobedience starts in the next one group we're going to look at starting at 14, but if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments and you despise my statutes, if your soul abhors my judgments so that you don't perform all my commandments but break my covenant, I will also do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you and you shall flee when no one pursues you, scared to do anything. And after all this, if you don't obey me, I'll punish you seven times more for your sins. So God's, God's telling you it's going to go bad. I'm going to give you a chance. Turn back, right? 
you don't, seven times, I'll break the pride of your power, make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. No rain, hard earth. Your strength will be spent in vain. Land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Then, if you walk contrary to me, and not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues, according to your sins. Send you wild beasts among you. Anybody notice how there's, uh, see the article in the paper the other day about coyotes? In Tulsa? In not in, not in the outskirts. I'm talking about one was, was, if I remember correctly, near Woodward Park. They'll rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, I will also walk contrary to you. And I will punish you yet seven times for your sins. I will bring a sword against you that will execute the vengeance of the covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I'll send pestilence among you. You shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. None of this sounds good, folks. We want, we want to stop this. He says, uh, he'll even deliver us into the hand of the enemy. Then cut off our supply of bread. So ten women will break your bread in one oven. They'll bring back your bread by weight. In other words, you'll have to pay a lot for a little. Then after you this, if you still don't. I mean, let's face it. He tells them what to do. And it'll be wonderful. Don't do this or it'll be bad. And if you don't, and, but you can turn around. If you don't do it, it's going to get worse. You can turn around. If you don't do it, it's going to get worse. But you can turn around. If you don't do it, it's going to get worse. The rest of that chapter covers the fact that if they turn back to him, he will turn his face back to them. Read it. It's good. It's worthwhile. As a matter of fact, it can be life-saving. All that to say this, in order for us to learn about anything, we need to study, don't we? In order to get better at something, especially something that could very well save our lives, we need to study that and practice that, and then study that and practice that, and then repeat as necessary. And guess what? It's always necessary, because if we don't practice things, if we don't study things, we lose the skill. It goes away. We get rusty. The scriptures are full of examples of people doing great, and then they fall away. And finally they turn around, do great, and they fall away. <clears throat> that can be costly. As you may re recall, I mentioned the USCCA. Their focus is on educating people about the Second Amendment, what it is, what it isn't. Encouraging them to exercise their right properly. 
why they got their name. What to do, what not to do. Most of all, get people to think. It's what God tries to do, too, get people to think. The NRA, they're getting lots of heat. The NRA's reason we have these horrible killer guns. NRA is the reason that all this bad is happening. One of the big obvious lies right off the bat is if you ever want to learn about how to safely handle a weapon, where do you go? The NRA. They have virtually, you know, they don't, they're not the only ones, but almost all of your courses that you go are developed by the NRA for safety. You don't like people getting hurt. If most of your membership is by people who own weapons, you kind of want them to stick around so you teach them how to do it properly. <clears throat> and that's who, that's who members of the NRA. When I say, you know, oh, the NRA, they attack the NRA, they're attacking everybody that, have, that is a member of the NRA, which is most of the folks that own weapons, at least that legally own weapons. <clears throat> Gun safety is fairly simple. Here's four rules for the safe handling of guns. They were developed by the late Colonel Jeff Cooper. No, and they're in order. All guns are always loaded. Unless it's in your hand and you have verified all guns are always loaded. Never let the muzzle cover anything, which means point at, that you do not intend to destroy. Keep your finger off the trigger until your sights are on target. One of the courses I took, we made it even more simple. Keep the booger hook off the bang switch. People can figure that. Be sure of your target and beyond. That works with the Bible too. You need to know who you're talking to, right? You need to know what they need to hear. People that you're talking to that do not know the Lord, you don't want to get with them and discuss the finer points of what to do on the Sabbath day. How do, how do you spend your time? They don't even know what that means. Okay, you want to talk to them about the Lord Jesus, where he's coming from, why he came, why he needed to come. But if you'll follow those four rules of firearm safety, the chances of you ever having an accidental or negligent discharge are virtually eliminated. But that just covers the safe handling. What about the safe carrying and usage of self-protection and self-defense? That's a lot more to learn and to practice if you move into that realm. But your lives and the lives of those you would protect may be very dependent on how well you do that. The lives of your family and how well they do about growing up to serve the Lord, to not be in places they shouldn't be, not in a position they shouldn't be, are a lot of times dependent on how you handle that as they're coming up. Even if you do everything correctly, 
things happen that can change your life forever horribly. Even, even if you do everything with a weapon, it can be horrible. So why do it? Why put yourself at risk? Because you're already at risk. For the same reason you wear a seatbelt. I wear seatbelts. It's why you make certain all your family that's in the car with you. They have those commercials all the time. You know. Put your seatbelt on. Why? Isn't God going to look after you? Isn't God going to protect you? Why do you have fire extinguishers? I have fire I have fire alarms. I have CO detectors. Because things go wrong. <clears throat> Something to keep in mind, though, that every good firearms instructor knows and teaches. This is a good one. This is a really big one to learn about if you're going to carry concealed. If you are in a gunfight, there's a good chance you might get shot. Pretty simple. If you're in a knife fight, there's a good chance you'll get cut. If you're in a rock fight, there's a good chance you'll get hit by a rock. Best number one rule that I've learned about with guns, the best way to win a gunfight. Y'all ready? Don't get in one. It works really good. Also stated as someone invites you to a gunfight, don't go. Or how about this? Stay away from bad places. God likes us staying away from bad places and doing bad things. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it kind of tells us and gives us some clues. Finally, be you all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil <clears throat> or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil in his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him speak peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So if you're serving the Lord, and you interact with people that are doing evil, it at least helps to know that God loves you and he ain't real big on them. <clears throat> Here are the ten rules of life. And these were given by the living God. Have no other gods before me. I'm taking this out of Deuteronomy chapter 5. And don't make any idols. He's big on that. Don't bow down to him. He's a jealous God. God tells us a bunch of times he's a jealous God. But he shows mercy to thousands. Don't take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Hmm, I wonder what that means. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord God. Sound like he means it. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long. Shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, shall not covet anything of your neighbor. 
following God's rules for living under his blessings are a lot like those for successfully carrying concealed. Pay attention and watch where you're going. Be polite and gracious to others. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Somebody cut you off? You don't go nuts. You don't honk a horn and let it go. Proverbs 15.18, As a wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. 16.32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. And 19.11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Love one another. Strive to serve God and live well, and the blessings we'll receive for doing that are absolutely wonderful. Follow his laws. Someone invites you to sin, don't. Stay away from bad places, evil people. Shun them. Now, I'm not talking in, in, in... Paul is not talking about staying away from, the, from, from people that aren't believers. Because you've got to witness to them, right? They're the ones we're trying... This is all for, is to reach people that are lost. I'm talking about people that are believers that are doing things they shouldn't. You need to stay away from them. They can lead you in places you really don't want to go. <clears throat> God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about people that are, you know, like 10, uh, 9 and 10. I wrote not to keep company with sexually immoral people, but I don't mean the people of this world because by then by that you'd have to get out of the world you can't do that but and, and he lists a bunch of them there not just sexual immorality but stay away from people that can get you in a bad place we, if we serve God we'll be blessed as a matter of fact if we'll do that chances are great if, if our nation would start serving him, concealed carry would be a, what's that? Because it wouldn't be necessary. We're not there yet. You might get hurt. You might die trying to protect your family. That's why you train and prepare. You might get hurt serving the Lord. That's why you prepare. That's why you study. Our world has become a very dangerous place because of lifestyles. <clears throat> Does that mean we should just give up? No. It means we should truly and humbly repent. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Again, the King James Version, it says, then will I turn my face toward them. How can we get that done? Here's what Paul told Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, 4, 4 and 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and with, and all, with all unsuffering and teaching. For the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up teachers to themselves. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Fables like preaching against homosexuality is hate speech. Do you think we have a chance? Only if we turn back to God. But think of the difference that can make.